You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Jesus' ministry and work of salvation had been interrupted by a Roman cross. In the Hebrew tradition, Elijah and Moses, they're both figures for whom death did not have the final say. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery and this is episode 409. Our title this week is Encouragement When the Work is Lonely and Hard. And our reading is from the Gospel of Luke, Luke 9, 28 through 36. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. So the first version of this story is found in the Gospel of Mark, Mark 9, 1 through 8. Matthew's Gospel elaborates on the story, and, and, and Matthew's Gospel adds parallels for Jesus that, that Matthew's audience would have associated with Moses. You can find this by cross-referencing Matthew 17, 1 through 8 with Exodus 24, 1, Exodus 24, 15 through 18, Exodus 34, 29 through 35. Matthew also added another association between his version of Jesus' baptism and, and the words found in Isaiah 42, verse 1. Luke later then comes along and, and adds verses 31 through 34 and verse 36 and, and, and changes the, the six days that Mark describes at the beginning of the story to, to eight days. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, Christianity has become filled with anti-Semitic interpretations of the Transfiguration, and usually these uh, interpretations they contrast Moses and Elijah with Jesus with a, with a kind of they do it with a kind of a Christian supremacy or supersessionism um, which means to replace Judaism with Christianity uh, I'll put a link if you if you're unfamiliar with what supersessionism is I will put a link in this week's e-site where you can do a little bit more reading on that but but some Christians compare Moses and Elijah with the law and the prophets and then they go 
on to claim through this story that Jesus is somehow superior to both. And I want to offer an interpretation of this story that honors Judaism instead of contrasting with it. Jesus was a Jewish man after all, remember. He was a first century Jewish voice among many other Jewish voices. His voice was rooted in, his message was rooted in interpretations of the Torah and other Hebrew wisdom. Jesus, even in these stories, these gospel stories, he didn't. We don't see a Jesus who envisions himself as beginning a new religion. He and his teachings were, were deeply influenced by the Judaism that he was raised within. So when we read the Gospels, I find it much more helpful to read the Synoptic Gospels as a debate within Judaism, among Jewish voices on what it means to be faithful to the God of the Torah, rather than as an anachronistic debate between Christianity and Judaism as world religions. I do feel the Gospel of John breaks from this pattern, but but as I've said recently, and I'll put a link to uh, a couple weeks ago's article and podcast in this week's eSight too, we don't have to disparage Judaism to value the ethical teachings of Jesus. So, what purpose might the gospel authors who wrote for both Jewish and Gentile Jesus followers, what purpose might they have had in associating Moses and Elijah with Jesus in this story? Well, first, Jewish tradition held that that both Moses and Elijah had talked directly with God. Deuteronomy 34.10, second Second Kings 19, 9-13. When, when they're introduced in the Gospels here, Jesus has begun his final trek to Jerusalem where he will confront the economic injustices of the, the temple state. Remember, flipping the tables. And that confrontation will most likely result in state violence against him. And we know this from reading the end of the story. Before the week is over, Jesus will be crucified on a Roman cross. But in this story, the early Jesus followers are trying earnestly to make some sense of Jesus' execution at the hands of the Roman Empire. Their association of both Elijah and Moses with Jesus, it pointed Jesus' followers to the claim that although Jesus' ministry and work of salvation had been interrupted by a Roman cross, God had overturned, reversed, and and undone that act of unjust state violence and raised Jesus from the dead, which meant that his salvific work now lived on. In the Hebrew tradition, Elijah and Moses, they're both figures for whom death did not have the final say. Elijah was taken directly to heaven, not seeing death in 2 Kings 2.1, and Moses' death was also surrounded with mystery, his burial place being unknown and several traditions believing that he was taken into the presence of the divine after death. You can find that in Deuteronomy 34, 6 and Jude 9. And again, early Jesus followers are trying to find a life-giving framing for Jesus' murder by the system because of his calls for change. They're trying to strengthen the claim that he had been resurrected. And there are other associations as well. Moses was the lawgiver, deeply associated with themes of of liberation from oppression. And and Jesus' early followers, both Jewish and Gentile, understood Jesus as a another great teacher whose message was of liberation from oppression. You can find that in Luke 4, 18 through 19. 
The last association, though, is the most meaningful to me, and that's the association of Jesus with Elijah. In the Jewish stories, Elijah's mountaintop experience in 1 Kings 19 was one of epiphany as his life was being threatened for speaking truth to power, and while he was deeply discouraged about his mission and and the fruit of his mission. I can identify with moments of discouragement, considering my own life work at times. I can also imagine Jesus, too in these moments, wrestling similarly with, uh, in the same ways that Elijah did during the last days of his life, uh, before Jesus' life before the cross. And we're going to read, let me read for you, just to give you a little background, um, this section there in 1 Kings 19, where Elijah's story is told. It says, he, Elijah, traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, and for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. When the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, uh, king of Aram, Hazael, sorry, king of Aram, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, uh, from Abel, Maholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. So in our story this week, both Elijah, who who was facing similar discouragement at a similar time in his ministry, uh, and Moses appear possibly to encourage Jesus during his own time of discouragement as his own life is in jeopardy. Even the divine in this story shows up with words of encouragement and of, of filial approval repeated from Jesus' baptism and, and, and as well as the admonishment for Peter, James, and John to, to listen to Jesus. And I can see why the early Jesus, uh, Jewish Jesus followers specifically, would have found solace and encouragement through these associations. And I, I can too, I can think of uh, those who I've journeyed with along the way, who have been an encouragement to me when I've had difficult decisions to make. And I'm thankful for each one of them. Uh, this week, I think about it, have you had moments when you also ha- have had to make some pretty difficult decisions, moments where doing the right thing was not 
the easy choice. Who in your life were your Moses and Elijah? Who, who were there to encourage you? And, and lastly, who do you know who's engaging the work that's necessary for a better iteration of our present world, working to shape our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for us all? Who right now could use your encouragement? Take a moment this week and reach out. You never know what difference you're just showing up could make. It doesn't have to be a blinding light with radiant clouds. It doesn't have to be a big voice from the sky. It could just be a text or a phone call. However you choose to show up, take some time this week to let someone know that in this work, they are not alone. Here's to a better world, and here's to all who right now are working toward it. Heart Group application this week. Share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, share a story with your group from your own experience when when someone was your Elijah or your Moses and encouraged you when you had a, a difficult decision to make in the context of justice or liberation or compassion. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small? to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. And please, let's remember this week in our thoughts, and our actions, in our prayers, uh, the people of, of Ukraine. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.